Welcome to day 337 of Shape by the Word. My name's David. I'm here with Matt and Katie, and we are continuing on through the book of Acts. And we found ourselves um, making our way to Acts 23. Paul, he's made his way to Jerusalem. He's been arrested. Um, He spoke to the crowd, and then they were about to beat him, but then they found out that he was a, a Roman citizen. They didn't really know what to do. And so we find ourselves at the the very last verse of Acts 22, moving towards Acts 23, where Paul will stand before the Sanhedrin and address the crowd. And, and again, we've even seen him kind of coming back and telling a bit of his story, how he came to faith, how Christ has called him to take the gospel. And, and we'll find that there's really nothing that's ever going to stop him from doing that. Mm-hmm. Where, where he finds himself, he's speaking of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we even see that at the very end of the book of Acts. And so uh, a fun passage where we'll get to hear from Paul. And so um, Acts 23, but before we read, let's uh, turn to our Heavenly Father for a, a moment of prayer. Katie, do you mind praying for us? Not at all. Father, Thank you for this time together that you have given us and um, this time in your word. And I pray that just wherever um, wherever we find ourselves listening today, um, whether we're busy doing things around the house or driving to work or um, driving to this or that, God, I just pray that you would meet us where we are and that you would do a work in us, um, something that we maybe didn't even see coming, um, but God, that you would use your word and... Um, and change us and, and help us to see um, see you in these words um, and to be transformed by your spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll pick up in the very last verse of Acts 22. This, uh, this commander, he, he was alarmed that he realized he'd put Paul, a, a Roman citizen, in chains. Mm-hmm. And so we pick up in Acts 22, 30. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused of by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there and judge me according to the law, yet you yourselves violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others were Pharisees, called out to the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, and that there are are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to him? The dispute came so vi- became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. 
The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you also must testify about me in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath to not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets there. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner sent for me and asked, you, and asked to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, what is, it, what is it you want to tell me? He said, some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting to ambush for are waiting in ambush for him they have taken an oath to not eat or drink until they have killed him they are ready now waiting for your consent to your to their request the commander dismissed the young man with this warning don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me then he called two of his centurions and ordered them get ready a detachment of 200 get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote the letter as follows. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and they are about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him for I had learned that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted, to, I, want, I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that their accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against this man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders, so the soldiers carrying out their orders, took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipastris. The next day they let the cavalry go on with them while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from um, Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. So there we go. There's the drama of scripture, right? <laughs> so Paul's, you know, standing for a Sanhedrin. He, uh, you know, says his case. He, he gets hit. Mm-hmm. And then obviously these guys, these, these 40 guys, which I would imagine eventually they had to start eating and drinking at some point because <laughs> they, they said we're not going to eat or drink until Paul's dead. And then, <laughs> yeah. well, he, he left. And so yep. kind of curious what happened with those guys. <laughs> but uh, quite a big response, you know. Um, that we see here, he he sent so many troops and horsemen and even spearmen mm-hmm. to keep Paul alive as he traveled to Felix, and then Felix is is looking to try to give him a 
a real and, and an accurate case here so he can actually stand trial to see what these people are accusing him of. So an interesting little section in Paul's story mm-hmm. always makes me think back to, you know, when Jesus first found Saul at the time and told him, you know, this guy's going to suffer a lot for me. Yeah. And here we do see him suffering. And there's been numerous plots against his life. He's always leaving towns because people are looking to kill him um, for, for him being faithful to the gospel. So an interesting piece, a little different than our day-to-day life, um, at least yeah. mine. But um, as you guys are looking at this, uh, this chapter, what's standing out? Yeah, I think one of the first things that stands out to me, and talking about just Paul's ministry, you know, a lot of times we're like, man, Paul, he's just planted so many churches. He... You know, he, he loved Jesus. He was able to proclaim the gospel clearly and inaccurately. But at the same time, he's like, that guy is constantly in prison. He's mm-hmm. constantly, you know, kind of under under trial. And that's what we see when he's um, in front of the Sanhedrin is, you know, they're wanting to know. You know, they want to accuse him. They, they bring him. They stand there before him. And you have to love, um, you know, kind of that scene where Paul gets smacked in the mouth <laughs> and he just re- responds you know, and, and then he realizes, brothers, I did not realize he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. I mean, he knows scripture, and you know, who knows how, why he didn't recognize he was the high priest. You know, lots of speculation about why. Is one of those speculations that he's just been going from town to town on mission, and he just hasn't really been keeping Some up? Some is maybe the high priest is not wearing the garments he's supposed to wear. Mm-hmm. Others, are, others think that Paul's thorn in the flesh is his eyesight. Oh, yeah. He had poor eyesight from mm. the blinding of the Damascus Road. I don't see it right to you with such... But that's speculation, letters. yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting, you know, he he responds, you know, and, and you have this whole scene, and, and I love, you know, after the scene and kind of this uproar and this division in verse 11, it says that following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. And we know the heart of Paul is to get to Rome. You know, mm-hmm. and so he gets placed in the barracks. He probably, you know, in some ways thinking, man, this might be it. This might be the end. I'm not going to quite get to Rome. I'm going to mm-hmm. die in Jerusalem. Um, but the Lord comes and, and says, take courage. Yeah, that's kind of a, a familiar phrase we'll see in mm-hmm. Acts, this idea of take courage. The Lord shows up and in our dark nights, in our hard moments, in moments where we need comfort and says, take courage. It makes me think of when Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I mean, I just, I, that specific moment when um, the Lord comes near, it says stood near to Paul um, in the barracks. I just think that is a reminder of the kindness of God um, in our, in our low moments, in our moments of, um, of uncertainty that he um, comes near to us. And we see that in the Psalms that he draws near. And um, I don't know. I just feel like it's a sweet moment of encouragement that who knows how Paul, it doesn't say Luke doesn't tell us how Paul is feeling in this moment. And those of us who are feelers want to know, (laughs) but we do know that there's a reason like God wanted to come and encourage him in this way. And I think just personally, like, he does that with us too. And he, mm-hmm. um, like Paul is, is being bold, um, for the gospel and he needs encouragement as strong as he is, he still needs it. And so I think for us, um, you know, the Lord meets us where we are and in our low moments as well, like he encourages us. Um, but that's one of the important things about coming to his word too. Like, we can be encouraged by the Lord in his word. 
Um, and as Paul was encouraged here, so I am encouraged as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely one thing that I took from it. Just another thought I had was back to what his, his re- reaction to being struck on the face or on the mouth, I guess. But um, he says, God will strike you, you whitewash wall. And it, it's a big reaction. And then compare that with Jesus's reactions um, to being struck. And it's very different. Um, which kind of shows, in my opinion, shows a little bit of Paul's personality and his humanity. But, um, but yeah, those are come some of some of my thoughts. And uh, I think I think Paul's nephew is getting a pretty good birthday present this year. <laughs> um, he kind of helped him out there. That's a good nephew. He's like, I just happened to hear about this plot. These yeah. forty guys. Um, and, that's, and again, you see, you know, God providentially at work just through. Right. His, that's what I was going to say. Like he happened to just be there and hear that, and it happened to be his. Paul's sister's son. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just yeah, obviously he gets that comfort, right? Like, hey, you're going to get to Rome. Yeah. But it also kind of happened through these kind of unique situations. It's Absolutely. not just like God just rushed him to Rome, but it happened providentially through kind of ordinary, regular things. And so mm-hmm. cool to see, you know, the faithfulness of, of God to his people. Mm-hmm. Well, before we conclude, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, just a few moments in your word, looking at the life of Paul, um, being reminded that, that he was bold wherever he found himself. Um, he, he spoke of Christ. He remained faithful. Thank you for his faithfulness and, and the fruit that that bore in his life and in many other people's lives. And may we, wherever we find ourselves today, may, may you and your grace um, cause us to be faithful for you wherever we find ourselves. We pray us all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.